Bertha Charuma on SAFM. It is the viewpoint in Fosongezo. So, uh, hashtag Legal Mondays and uh, talking to Ntabiseng Dubazane, Attorney Director at Dubazane Attorneys. And we're talking about um, marriage, the contracts that come with marriage. And I would like maybe to sort of like break it down, uh, you know, the, the different contracts that you can get into. But tonight we're specifically uh, zoning into one particular one where uh, an individual married out of community of property without accrual uh, cannot claim uh, from their spouse's estate if they divorce. And we get to find out how you mitigate or navigate around it and, you know, what is the way forward? Are things going to change or are there any other options? Let's say in the beginning, this is the kind of a contract you were in and maybe you want to change it later. We get to find out all that info in just a bit. Ntabi Singh, good evening and welcome to The Viewpoint. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me. Marriage, marriage, marriage and contracts. <laughs> it's a messy one, that one. Who came up with this concept? And somebody who wanted to protect their assets and, you know, also trying to protect their spouse from any mishap that they would get themselves into that they don't get tangled up in the same mess. So the Constitutional Court has declared uh, as unconstitutional a mm. section of the Divorce Act and it has given Parliament 24 hours uh, to, to remedy the situation. Ordinarily, like I highlighted earlier, an individual married out of community of property without accrual cannot claim from their spouse's estate if they divorce. Now, this has left many stay-at-home moms or wives at risk of financial ruin should mm. they divorce. And Section 7 of 3 of the Act allows the courts to uh, divvy up the assets in more fair, equitable way if that individual can show they made a significant non-financial contribution to the marriage. I suppose that's giving birth. Does that apply? <laughs> <laughs> well, it applies only if you're going to be a stay-at-home mom and take care of the kids. So, you know, not really. So let's just break it down for me. In this instance, okay. what, what really are we faced with here? What are we talking about? So prior to 1984, the Matrimonial Property Act had not come into into play, but you could do you could be entering into marriage um, out of community of property, and what the courts would do would then look at the estate of the person who um, had the stronger financial hand, usually who was the man, and then the the court will then distribute the assets. Um, in the manner that they deemed just and fair. And a lot of things obviously would play as a factor in terms of what is just and fair. So now fast forward to 1984, the Matrimonial Property Act was amended, uh, well, um, sorry, came into play. And then the, uh, the option of accrual came into play. So the way accrual works is that uh, it's not a guarantee that the estate will be divided 50-50, whatever you accumulate after date of marriage. So usually it would be that the estate of the spouse that has a higher financial contribution would then pay over, so to speak, a certain percentage to the estate of the person who doesn't have um, 
a lot of financial assets. But now if the marriage is out of community property without the option of accrual, you do not have a right to claim against the estate of, of the party that has a financial stronger hand. That was the history of where we, of, of where we come from. So now with this current decision, um, Section 7, Subsection 3 of the Divorce Act basically um, has been declared unconstitutional in saying that you, that what I just described basically that you cannot claim against the um, uh, estate of the of a partner if um, the option of accrual is not applicable to you. Uh, that in other words, if you got married after 1984. Whoa. The lines are opened. That's 086-000-2032. That's 086-000-2032. Or else you can send us a voice note. It should not be longer than a minute. And uh, make it clear, precise. Uh, the voice note you can send to 0614-104-107. That's uh, 0614-104-107. And I'm speaking to Ntabiseng Dubazani from Attorney and Director at... Uh, I mean, she's Attorney and Director at Dubazani Attorney. And we are talking about marriage and divorce, what you are entitled to and what you're not entitled to. But basically, to be more precise and be more clear, uh, an individual married out of community of property without accrual cannot claim uh, from their spouse's estate if they divorce. And in the case where, like now, where we're trying to figure out as a as a stay-home wife, you know, what are you entitled to and what are you not entitled to? And wh- when you walk away, what do you stand to lose uh, or what do you stand to gain? So just if looking at these contracts, what would be an ideal contract from a woman's perspective? But even if it's not even from a woman's perspective, I think if you are a hardworking individual and mm. and you have assets, Right. And your other party most probably is okay. What would be an ideal contract you need to get into when you get married? I would say the ideal one is out of community of property with the option of accrual so that all the assets, businesses, monies and debts that you accumulated prior to marriage does not fall as part and parcel of what you guys are building going forward. But having said that, there is still that that window of um, disappointment, if I can put it that way, that whatever problems that you encounter as a result of the marriage regime, in other words, your partner goes into debt, you can also be um, held liable for something like that. So in order to ensure that you don't acquire this person's uh, debts and problems, also uh, not acquiring this person's assets as well, it will be a full-on out-of-community-of-property marriage, and that way you know that you will not be stuck with this person's problem, but it also means you're not going to get anything that comes from the joint ventures, quote-unquote, that you come uh, together with in this uh, in this marriage. Mm. And coming back to, to the conversation that we're having, uh, you know, the main conversation where stay-at-home wives somehow... I just left in the lurch because in this instance, chances are you're not making much, you know, you're not making anything unless maybe you're running a small business, whatever it is, but literally you are at the back foot. Mm. Let's, let's go back to that, to that contract and what, what is expected in what is being revised at present 
or that we anticipate revised? So the court is basically saying that anybody who is married um, after 1984, where in the Matrimonial Property Act came through and are married out of community of property without the option of accrual, um, wherein you're not allowed to claim from your partner's estate in terms of a divorce action, that is now deemed to be unconstitutional because you need to prove to the court um, in terms of Section 7.3 that um, you you have made a meaningful non-financial contribution to, to the estate. And that can really mean any and everything. Um, so as a result, the court is saying that um, you can, in terms of Section 7, Subsection 5, the courts can choose what they deem to be a, a, a meaningful contribution to this, to this matter. So in this particular case that was heard before the court, the parties got married in 1988, which is after where the Matrimonial Property Act came into play. And come divorce, uh, the parties, uh, the, 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 the husband had more money, obviously, in this situation. And as a result of the wife having been a stay-at-home mom, taking care of the kids, taking care of the household, he had amassed a huge amount of wealth, and then she was not entitled to anything based on the marriage regime that they entered into. And the court has declared that to be unconstitutional. Mm. And going forward, what will be deemed meaningful contribution that can give you a good case? So it will depend on your case. Uh, every case will be dealt with on its own merit. But from what we're gathering from this case, um, for example, being um, a stay-at-home mom taking care of the kids and your husband, usually that's what the case is, um, the, the, the husband not having to worry about the kids and not hiring a nanny to take care of the kids while you also go and work. Um, also the situation of taking care of the household, ensuring that it's clean. I think in Mozambique, um, year before last, the court actually um, decided in that very manner that being a stay-at-home wife is tantamount to having a full-time job, and therefore you should be attributed the kind of right of a person that was employed throughout the marriage versus somebody who just allegedly stayed home and did nothing. Mm. What? How then do you give evidence? Because... Let's say hi- we, we do informal hiring. I'm mm. looking after these kids, right? I'm looking after these kids. I'm not anticipating divorce. I'm not keeping any, any records of any sort. How do you prove that you did not have a nanny? And someone can just walk in and, and literally lie in, in, you know, in, in a court of law to say, no, this was this situation and it wasn't. The proving bit to say, yes, I was the caregiver and it was me who provided everything without any assistance. How, how, does, it, how does this work? This is really mind-boggling. That is actually going to be quite a tough one. Um, yes, you are very correct. People do come in and give false evidence in front of courts and they come and corroborate it when it comes to the hearing date. But here's the thing. As a mother or a stay-at-home mother in that situation, you are the one who's getting the emails, the SMSs for, for example, um, school days where parents should be there, sports days, uh, trips and pickups and all of those things. 
So you can actually get um, teachers from the school to corroborate that every single day, mom was the one to come here and pick up the kids and take them home. And then if there is somebody who was a nanny, there needs to be proof of payment. Remember, in the in the country that we live in, thankfully, um, there has been a, a ruling wherein um, people who work in homes um, get to be paid uh, formally, and then they should also be members of the UIF. So if you're going to be an employer of somebody like that, you need to prove that you registered the, 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 the person who's assisting you at home with the UIF. You're paying them above the minimum wage and all of those things. And if you can't prove that, apart from somebody saying, I, I was here working, then there's no bank statement to prove all of that over the years. Then we can see that your case is falling flat and you need to um, revise your strategy. Wow. What if the situation is the other way around? You you are the provider. You are the money maker Mm. as the woman. And your husband is the caregiver at home. Yes. I suppose it it applies the same way. It applies the same way. Correct, because it doesn't say stay at home. Uh, Section 7.3 doesn't say a wife. It says a spouse. And for whatever reason, there's an unwritten word or or, or assumption that the word spouse only refers to wife when situations like this happen, either by death or by divorce. Spouse really is that it's a spouse, a man or a woman. So if you as the woman are the one who is earning more, who's the one going out, and then dad is the one who's staying at home, taking care of the kids and all of that, the same rights apply for him and he can claim. I think that, that there's a there's a stigma that goes with it when you're a man claiming or not. Uh, what kind of man is this that's trying to claim from a woman? You should be able to stand on your own. And that's not the case. You are also helping this woman to amass this kind of wealth. So you should be entitled to the same rights that she does. Mm. But who, you know, I'm just looking at this co- particular, you know, marriage contract. Who would want to marry in, you know, out of community of property? I suppose it's that, um, you know, that belief when you have your assets and the other person doesn't out of community mm-hmm. of property and without accrual that that yeah that that is just something <laughs> else <laughs> because be, basically yeah, you're just as good as yeah <laughs> being on you your own the same the only difference would be that you'll be living in this particular house and you know gaining something from it if that makes any sense that person taking care of you but you don't really have a claim for that contract end mm. i've got chili b from soweto chili good evening and welcome to the viewpoint hi Bessa the bomb that's your new name oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing dear i'm very well thank you Hey, you know, law is one thing which is very, 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 you, you realize I, I use very precious, very, very, mm. very complicated. Mm. Um, question, I have two questions to ask your guest. One, when do you determine how much a wife, a wife who's a stay, stay-at-home wife, how much contribution has she made in rent terms? And then the second question is, uh, wh- what is this non, non-financial contribution? Can she give me one example? Because I know, I mean, if uh, when people divorce, 
they usually share affairs, which is, which I think is financially based. And so I want an example of, of, of something which is a contribution which is non-financial based. Okay. Those are my two questions. Thanks, Chili. Okay. And bye-bye for now. Um, I think, um, what's, what's your response in Tavisang? So the non-financial contributions, like I said, in terms of Section 7.5 of the Divorce Act, can be at the discretion of the presiding officer. But what we have seen the courts attribute to a non-financial contribution includes wherein the husband doesn't have to pay outside help to assist the um the the wife who is there at home um so like i was saying earlier not no non-payment of a nanny um non-payment of transport because you're the one taking the kids to school um you know raising the kids cleaning the house etc etc so that is basically how the courts look at what this non-financial uh attributes to or, or what is this contribution to the property is. So in terms of money or the monetary amount of it, there is nothing as yet. Perhaps after the 24 months that Parliament has been given to rectify this, they may decide to include a, a rand value to that. Um, but for now, it is at the discretion of the presiding officer to determine how much would it be in terms of rands. I just want to divert for a second there, mm. just for a second. So this, this, this is slightly different from what we're talking about. When you, when you, when you get married, right, or when you are signing a, a, your marriage contract, in, in an instance where you have debt, lots of debt, mm. the party you marry what would be ideal? What sort of a contract should you uh, go into? If Out of community of property, 100%. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. Because if you marry this person in community of property, you are inheriting that debt as well, and you are liable with that person. So if they get sequestrated, so will you, and all of those things. So rather not do that. Um, I think... The, in, in part of uh, marriage counselor, I, I strongly believe that parties should be told about these different marriage regimes. It doesn't mean somebody doesn't love you uh, when they want to get married out of community or property or they're trying to keep something from you. I think we need to be educated on the significance of the, the legal repercussions of these different marriage uh, contracts. Not all of them are 100% safe, yes but understand what you're getting into before you get into it. And do this before you pay Mahadi or Lobola. Because if you have paid Mahadi or Lobola already, you're automatically married out of community of property. It doesn't matter if you're going to draft an ANC after, because that ANC is going to be null and void. Okay. Let's go to yeah. an Anonymous. Good evening. Welcome to The Viewpoint. How are you, my sister? Go ahead. Yes. I want to talk about this topic right now. Sometimes I feel like the law is not on our side as men because most of the time when the man is not working and the woman is working, sometimes when they get divorced, so many things are happening, you find that the man is not getting anything out of that thing, out of that wedding. Out of that marriage, my sisters, uh, pardon me. And sometimes you find it that you would see 
uma umuntu osazana nguye oyiprovider esikhathini esiningi indoda siswami nanoma ngathiwa kwenzakalani iyazama yenzani igcina seyiboshiselwa imi imaintenance so i'm just wondering ukuthi can a man go and open a case against a woman for maintenance isn't this in shadow system i'll stay on the line okay yeah. and tabby saying now where dad is claiming maintenance are uh, the kids uh primary uh, he is the primary caregiver of the kids so yes it's not unheard of it actually happens more often than not it's just that there's not in there's not sufficient information out there for dads and and unfortunately it is so much harder to fight for dads and it's it's really a, a taxing thing um in my practice i think i fight more for dads than i do for moms in any aspect whether it's children's court divorce doesn't matter it's very hard because of the stereotypical idea of what dads are out there but yes you are you are, you're entitled to to do that and clean maintenance from 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 your spouse even spousal maintenance after divorce you have a right to do so if you are the one who was earning less we do actually see it in in people who are famous where in the husbands are getting paid spousal maintenance so yeah it's not unheard of Ntabi Seng, thank you so much for joining us this evening on The Viewpoint. Um, we could go on, but unfortunately, uh, uh, it's almost time for Oliver to take over the airwaves. Thank you so much for joining us and have yourself a pleasant evening. Thank you so much for having me, likewise. Bye for now. Talking to Ntabi Seng Dubazani, uh, attorney and director at Dubazani Attorneys. Um, amendments to divorce laws, that's what we've just been talking about.